Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll explain the struggle with always proving you are right. I'll also be interviewing Dr. Gary Salyer, who is a transformational relationship mentor. He helps singles and couples rewrite the rules for love in their brains so they can create a love that lasts. In today's episode, he reviews his book, Safe to Love Again, how to release the pain of past relationships and create the love you deserve. This book is exactly what you need to exponentially grow and develop in your relationship. For more information about Dr. Salyer, please visit GarySalyer.com. You may also purchase his book on Amazon or in the previous guest section in the store at JamesMillerLifeology.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Always proving you are right. In psychology, we have what's called cognitive distortions. That's a psychological term, but we'll call them thinking errors. For those of you who do study psychology or want to learn more about this, I'm going to explain a little bit to you about what's called rational emotive behavioral therapy, which is an offshoot of cognitive behavioral therapy. So in rational emotive behavioral therapy, we talk about these thinking errors, and there are actually 15 common thinking errors that we all engage in, which creates some type of struggle either within ourselves or with somebody else. And the one I want to focus on for this particular episode is that one that's called always being right. We all like to have effective communication, but what happens when we do communicate with somebody and they just don't think we're right, or we have an argument with somebody and we remind them of things that they've said and they tell you you're wrong. All of a sudden that frustration kicks in and we're determined to prove that we are right. It doesn't matter what it costs. We're going to quote, win this argument and prove to them how right we are. The struggle with that is we all know that does not go over well at all. Regardless if you're arguing with your friends or you're in a relationship, at the end of that conversation, you find that there's a potential rift. You both go your separate ways for a while. And for some people, they may never speak again. In any conversation we have with somebody, whatever we perceive to be true, that determines what we feel. What we feel determines how we respond. So if you're talking to somebody and they say something which you know is not correct, that's what you perceive. Your feeling kicks in and then you prove them wrong. When we pull our perspective back just a bit, does it really matter if they're right or you're wrong? What happens if you're discussing an argument or a situation that happened between the two of you and one person remembers it one way and the other person remembers it the complete opposite way? What happens? This is when it's so important to remember that perception is reality. I may hear something one way, somebody else hears something in a different way. So when we can think about this thinking error of saying, well, if I prove I'm right, that actually creates more drama or more struggle in the long run. So in that moment, when you can create a stop and think within yourself, in other words, creating a few seconds of thought just before you speak, you'll be able to ask yourself, does it really matter if I'm right or wrong? Now, I know for some people, you may say, well, James, no, I have to prove that I'm right. And of course, common sense says for some things, yes, it is important to prove you're right. But for most things, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. When you can look at the long-term payoff of peace in your life, 
it's probably worth more than the few brief seconds of proving you are right. So with these 15 common thinking errors, anytime there's a struggle in your own mind or with somebody else, you unfortunately have engaged in one of these thinking errors. So of course, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but I wanted you to really focus on that. When you prove that you're right, it actually creates more drama in your life. So the rule of thumb is this. If you are in a conversation with somebody and you know the correct answer or you know that you're right, you simply have to ask yourself, does it really matter if I prove this person wrong? And as you're able to think that through, that starts to develop more maturity in you. You start to realize what's truly important, proving that you are right with the long-lasting love and connection you have with someone else. For those of you who are interested in reading more about the 15 common thinking errors, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and search for this episode entitled Safe to Love Again with Dr. Gary Salyer, Part 2. I wrote a magazine article that explains all the 15 common thinking errors and ways to avoid these pitfalls. I have a fantastic interview today with Dr. Gary Salyer. He's going to dive deep into relationships and help you understand how we each evolve in a relationship and how to create a love that lasts. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Dr. Gary Salyer, who is a transformational relationship mentor. He helps singles and couples rewrite the rules for love in their brains so they can create a love that lasts. In today's episode, he reviews his book, Safe to Love Again, How to Release the Pain of Past Relationships and Create the Love You Deserve. Welcome to my show, Dr. Gary. Thank you, James. Glad to be back on again. Always have fun with you. I know. We had such a fantastic time the last time you were on, so I can't wait to talk with you again about your book. Now, one of the things, since my show is evergreen, which means it's re-syndicates on multiple platforms for multiple years to come, I usually don't use the time frame of when I record a show, but I think it's important because your book is so relevant during this time not only now, but also in the future as well. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But during this time, this is uh, January, 2020. We are still in the throes of COVID, uh, the quarantine, and a lot of individuals are going through, well, individual, I guess singles and couples are going through the, the frustrations of being quarantined and just separated from everything. So why don't you kind of talk us talk to us about your book and the, the application of it during COVID and the quarantine. So let's just jump right into it because the 20 minutes flies by. <laughs> okay. So if, if to take the, the, you know, the hundred mile away view of the book, right? <laughs> uh-huh. The Eagle's eye view, this book, I mean, we're talking about when you're in the middle of something like COVID or any other distressing moment, suddenly you're going to have to look at other options. I mean, this book is about changing, you know, your love style. What is that but changing your options? It's called behavioral flexibility, but how do you get your brain to accept it? Yeah. You know, and all, and what I talk about in the book is I, and I have been asked before, is this, what's the most important thing in your book? And it's the right to create your own experience. Mm. I like that. So when you, yeah, the right to create your own experience. Um, it's funny in the, in the literature originally, I got, a, there was a, uh, 
thing called, it was called the right to autonomy. And a scholar said, what gave you the right to change the, that? I said, the right to create my own There you experience. go. Exactly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great response. <laughs> you know, it's about being able to adapt. All, all life exists on the planet because not because it's the strongest, but because it's adaptable. Even a strong love put under certain pressure cookers will need to adapt. So it's, you know, to have a strong love, to be able to keep love alive, you've got to be able to adapt. And with that adapt- adaptation, what do you think is the, the difficulty that most people have when it comes to, rec- first off, recognizing that they can adapt? Well, most times, a lot of us have been given that, you know, I talk about what runs in our, our attachment systems, our, mm-hmm. our relational mm-hmm. brain, are these four feelings, right? Mm-hmm. Welcomed with joy, worthy and nourished to have your needs met, cherished and protected, means you get to be a me and a we, mm-hmm. and right. empowered with choice. Yes. What stops people from from doing, making different options available or doing a different course is they didn't get a feeling of empowered early on or in other relationships. And that disempowered feeling says, oh, I can't have a voice. Oh, I have to do it the old way. Oh, we have to do it the way the Smiths did it or the way my mom did it or, you know, something that tells us we can't choose a different path. Sometimes that's, yeah, sometimes it's ingrained in us so much that we don't even recognize that. What would be a way for someone to take that time of self-reflection to recognize, oh, perhaps I realize I, I don't have a choice or I think I don't have a choice. What are some behaviors or what are ways in which people can have that reflective time to be aware of that? You know, I think a lot of it is getting stuck in a rut. And, and I think one of the things is with love, people tend to think, you know, for better or for worse, but they really have this idea that who they're married is going to, you know, or who they're partnered with is going to be the same. Uh, mm. And there's this, you know, I, I, in college, there was a professor that brought in in my marriage and family degree, um, three couples, a, a young couple just married. I knew him. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, she actually married him. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you see some couples, and I'm like, she married up, or he married down, or however that looks, or he married up, whatever. It's, it's just so funny. <laughs> you, you know, I really did. That was my first thing when they walk in, right? And then there was this old couple in their late 40s, because, you know, I'm 21, oh, right? And that's then funny. there's this couple that's been married 63 years. He's 93, and she's 88. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And... The, the question from this very disrespectful football player was, you know, what's it like being married to the same woman for 63 years, <laughs> right? Um. <laughs> and I will never forget, I never forget this guy's, this guy's answer, though. He looks at this guy and says, well, if you're lucky enough to be married to the same woman, wow. he says, you're in for a rude awakening. Hmm. He says, if you think you're married to the same person, for your entire life. She says, you are not. He says, my wife has been five different women. And every 10 to 12 years, my marriage changed. It had to change. And I had to be a different husband to meet her needs. And he went on to describe the five women he was he has been married to for 63 years. And I swear this woman was beaming. Just be loved. And it struck a, a chord in me. You are never, you, what you think you're marrying, 
is going to change. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. You know, I, who, I, who do you think your marriage is? Going to yeah, I mean, I think that's brilliant because you know, thinking about thinking about that and relate in my own relationships and and just watching my parents and other people I know. I mean, that that's a really good point. And I, you know, I, I think people talk about that, but I don't think they're really expound on that you know we say yeah the person i was when i was first married to who i am today is different but i think we just think of it as binary one and the other instead of the multiple aspects or multiple iterations or versions of who we are i think that's i think that's just really brilliant to, to be able to think about that to understand how to be a spouse or a partner for someone because we will also change ourselves, not only the other person exactly i mean it's you know, Harvard did this big longitudinal study of people and their identities and who they thought they were. And they've been tracking them for like 70 years wow. from their descriptions when they were 15 and now when they're like 75. And from the descriptions at 15 to 75, it is clear that adults, you know, it used to be the idea that adult personality was set. No, no, no. Those people at 75 hardly recognize their descriptions from 15. Wow. We are changing and adapting all the time. And so if you think about the dating world, the dating world says, let's select right now at this time, a bunch of characteristics called compatibility. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when those characteristics change? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Now you're shedding the light on some of those dating apps. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, but if the couple can continue to adapt and to change what that right to create your experience, so they can continue to give themselves the four feelings of welcome with joy, worthy and nourished, cherished and protected, empowered with choice. The the compatibility, unless something really, really radical happens for most people, you know, they can make those adaptations. And there's research to point out that what is the predictor of lasting isn't long listing list mm. of compatibility that can change. It is the quality of the marital friendship. Wow. It is always a marital partnership or a marital, at least partnership. Those feelings I talk about, if you can continue to give each other feelings, you can both change and adapt and do all those sorts of things. And it's the acceptance uh, of that change as well. Yes. So the heart and soul of in any crisis is it's just like anything. There are multiple crises called personality changes, things mm -hmm. that happen. And it is this ability ability to feel empowered to make those changes, to not get stuck in the rut of expectation of necessity or that we've always done it that way. What is, I heard a book one time, the seven last words of an institution where we never did it. We, we always did it that way. Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know, that's it was something point. like that. Yeah. Seven last words of yeah. some business or something. Yeah. If you're in the middle of a, of a stressful situation, it's probably calling for a new behavior and there's got to be that feeling of we're empowered to do this. Yeah. Applying that to COVID and the, the quarantine and the, the social distancing and all that as well, how, how can someone, because we, we've really, I'll speak for myself. I remember when this first rolled out, like, oh, it'll be three months, three months. Yes. And then in my mind, and I'm sure everybody else's mind, we'll be back to quote normal. And then another three months and then another three months. And so <laughs> with, that, yeah. with this continuation of thinking that things are going to go back to normal. And so I think a lot of people are holding fast to what I did before. And so yeah. who knows what's going to happen once, once the vaccine is out, is, out, is out for everybody. And then we'll see what happens with the world. But how do people not get stuck in what happened nine months ago as far as this is today? And this is who mm -hmm. I have to be today based off of what I can and cannot do. How do people... I guess, let go of what was and focus on what is to create that change. Okay. You know, I, I, I believe that 
relationships are won and lost in the small moments. Mm -hmm. Now, <clears throat> rather than thinking we've got this set of, of agreements here, uh, if someone is tracking these little small moments and they notice that their partner is getting more and more stressed, they're more able to say, honey, what's going on? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or do you need some help? But the masters are tracking very, very small moments and noticing just the, you know, the physiology, the tone of the voice. It's and they're not getting, you know, lost in the big picture of this is the way we've always done things. Mm -hmm. If you notice small moments and you empathize and you attune, you're more likely to make a small micro adjustment. Small micro, small micro. And those small ones add up to big changes, so you're being flexible automatic. The couples that are in the most distress are the ones that don't read each other very well in the small moments. Just work with one this week. And the little moment was his voice tends to get very, very high, right, and loud, right? And it sets off her safety parameters because, mm -hmm. you know, for, for there's a middle range where we feel safe, high and low, say predator or danger. Mm -hmm. And it, and he was not picking up when her head went back oh, <laughs> or what you say, you know, can you lower that a little bit? Or I'm not, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel safe. She, he, he would just miss those little moments. But when he started picking them up and I just showed him these, the little moments where her head goes back, you're not connecting. <laughs> mm. Made a huge difference. Wow. I, I've seen that in other couples too. They go, oh, my God, we're no longer arguing. Just picking up a few micro moments keeps them from having the argument 10 minutes later. If you're practicing noticing the little moments and the reactions, you can make small moments. And that's like implicit behavioral flexibility. It's called attunement. Yeah. It's called empathy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, one of my favorite quotes is a minor adjustment makes a major improvement. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Those small micro changes are going to create a divergent path. So with the goal is to be, live a healthy, successful or have a healthy, successful relationship with, um, yeah. with just being aware of those micro movements or micro expressions. What do you have specific techniques in the book or just something you can tell us right now of ways in which people can truly practice that? The small moments, well, in the book, I go through a lot of noticing the, the feelings that you're giving each other. Okay. You can do a, you can actually do a check-in every week. I tell couples, do yeah, a check-in, <laughs> you know, on a scale of nine, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how did I do this week? You know, anything under a nine, then you say, then how could I have done better? And I tell them, Okay, since love needs these four feelings, that's the heart and soul of the book. Without the feelings, it doesn't matter what else is there. Okay, so which feeling was missing? Well, I didn't feel very welcome with joy when you spent all Tuesday night looking at your cell phone. <laughs> mm, yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. and, there's, and there is one other big thing when you're dealing with a crisis. You know, Mark Twain had this little statement that I think is true, that he said there's two ways to freak a person out. Uh, take away what they got or give them what they want, <laughs> you know, you know, and so many people, and it's, a, and, you know, things like, you know, if something gets taken away or even a crisis can be, Oh my God, he, they really made that change. And I'm, I, now I've got to deal with closeness. I've actually seen people freak out with, you know, I, I, I knew I wanted closeness, but I didn't know I really wanted closeness. Yeah, don't, be careful they, what you're asking for, <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and it really is 
it's feeling empowered and in tune. If you can feel attuned and you feel empowered to change, then you can handle these crises. But if someone doesn't feel worthy or they're, or they're afraid of connection, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so they, that, that connection feels wrong. So they, they don't switch into the other's feelings. I mean, that was the case for me. Yeah. I had to learn that over life. I had a borderline mother at four. Oh, you nice. didn't want to switch into yeah. an angry mother. Yes. You wanted to keep out of there. You know, and that didn't work so well my first marriage. <laughs> you know, um, but if you can attune and feel empowered. Yeah, you know, you said something um, really interesting. Be- when I, I, I piggyback off that as well when I said, be careful what you ask for. When a person in a relationship, or a person who wants to have a relationship, either, either one, because I don't want to just specifically focus on couples. Uh, when someone says they want a relationship or someone says they want a certain attribute from their spouse or their partner, and all of a sudden they get it, you know, like you said, they can be a little overwhelmed by that. What if someone's never really experienced that before and they say, yeah, I want closeness, like you said, or I want intimacy, or I want, um, I want to experience vulnerability, or I want, you know, my spouse or my partner to feel vulnerable. If they've never experienced it before, how do they know that's really what they want? Because if they don't have, if they have a name for it, but don't have a, a platform or a baseline for it, how do they know that's really what, what it is they're looking for? Well, a lot, you've hit it right. A lot of times, say someone spent a childhood where they were on their own and they'll say, Mm -hmm. I want to be part of a we, right? And, uh, you know, and I want to have partnership. But, you know, there are strings that come. And then when they get involved, because they never saw an actual one, they never felt, they didn't realize, you know, there's a downside to every upside. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're going to come and expect you to, to, to be there for them as well. Yeah. And sometimes those sort of things, somebody has to learn, oh, I mean, you know, sometimes I've, I've, I've told, I've had singles that will make long lists of what they want in their soulmate. And I'll say, and what else will you need to have that love? And they go, well, I need this, and I need this, and I need this. I go, okay, so what will they want from you? Oh, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about all that. <laughs> you know, that, that, that beautiful soulmate is going to want something back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? and, and there is the fact that when we change, we don't always know what we're going to get. I had sure, one yeah. couple on my stage that uh, th- they had been married 55 years. And they were talking about, and somebody said, did you ever, uh, you know, consider divorce? She goes, oh, no, murder, yes, but never divorce. <laughs> but she, and then she goes, but she goes, at the 25-year uh, mark, uh, I had a huge change in my life. Before that, I had been totally corporate America. She was head of HR at a national level for a huge wow. uh, uh, company that's on the Fortune 500. So big corporate. And she realized she wanted to do more of light work, <laughs> energy work. Mm-hmm. And she oh, was doing the study. Yeah, she, it was a huge life change, getting mm-hmm. back to the initial story. Now, he was an attorney, <clears throat> and he started making fun of this woo-woo stuff. Oh, goodness. And he thought he was being funny. They had a great marriage for 25 years. And she came to him and said, look. This is where I'm going. I'm tired of this. There, this. This old me doesn't work. I love you. I want to stay the rest of my life with you, but I can't take this sort of contempt. And he didn't realize she was receiving that way. And mm. he made some big changes. Now, I'll tell you what's funny about this. The next crisis happens a couple years later when he 
which she practices a beautiful right to create your own experience. And he says, you know, I've been an attorney for 20 some years. I'd like to be a chef. <laughs> what do you mean you want to get Wait a minute. It's one thing to create your own experience, but did you know you were going to invite the other one to do it? And you, and it's like, I guess so, you know. Yeah. Now, now, what they both had, they both made each other feel worthy of having their dreams. Yes. Allowing their dreams. And they felt empowered and they shared influence. But if you can't make each other feel worthy, if you can't share influence, if you don't feel the power to change, that marriage, what happens if those two, the research points out, if those two people start to change and their dreams aren't acknowledged, conflict starts coming in over the little things. It's called gridlock. They'll argue over the little things until it eats the relationship alive. So yeah, that this, makes sense. this feeling, yes. So when I hear couples coming in and they say, you know, we're arguing over stuff. We don't even know why. I know that somewhere along the line, somebody's changed. There's a new dream that hasn't been acknowledged or an old one that never was. And we've mm -hmm. got to get down to the dreams. And dreams are all about feeling empowered and worthy. So yes. again, you know, <clears throat> if you're in a crisis and that was a form of crisis, anytime you're in a crisis, the two were the three things you're looking for is Start noticing those those small moments more. Calibrate them. Really notice, you know, the looks on their face and their body and their emotions. A ask them about their emotions, not about what they're thinking, but how they're feeling. And then, you know, how can I make them? How can we make each other feel worthy to have what we need and empowered with different choices, different options? This is. All love will have to survive any crisis, whether it's a big pandemic or mm -hmm. you know some small personal crisis or an identity crisis. There's yeah. got to be flexibility, James. Got to be flexible. I really like that. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, we're, unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up in a couple of seconds. Yeah. Of course, the time flew by. <laughs> yeah. But when we really think about that overall, it's I love I love the concept, not really the concept. I, I love what you say as far as there's micro expressions. You're really being in the moment, for mm -hmm. lack of a, a better word. But to really understand that, what am I feeling? What, am, what is my partner feeling? How do I make sure that I can give them what, what they need? So we have that aspect as a foundational piece, but also then the flexibility of the larger aspects of one's life when it comes to we yeah. all are starting to create change in our life or who I was today is going to be different than who I, who I am in the next couple of years. So I really like hearing how it's like you said, that, that attentiveness uh, yeah. in all aspects of one's relationship because yeah, we can all be so busy and bombarded with so many things or just be so overwhelmed in our own stuff that we don't find that time to check in with our spouse. And so I, I think it's so important to be able to do that. Yeah, and if anybody, I have a bunch of skill sets and uh, how to do this more in my book, Safe Perfect. to Love Again. Yeah. Uh, you can't go over it in 20 minutes, but I, I never leave, I show people what the feeling is and then what the skill set is that you use to give those feelings. Oh, so perfect. There's, Wonderful. If you want more practical help on all of this, how to give and receive those four feelings so you feel more love, just go to the book, Safe to Love Again. Perfect. Well, um, I, what I'm also going to do, Dr. Gary, is I'm also going to put in the show notes the previous interview we had with that we talked specifically about all the different nuances of this book. So I want my listeners yes. to go to jamesmillerlifeology.com, and you can find the um, not only the show notes of this particular episode, but the previous episode, which is called Safe to Love Again with Dr. Gary Salyer, which I'll yes. explain all as well. So Dr. Gary Salyer, if my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase this book, where would they find this information online? Well, purchase it as Amazon. It is Gary Salyer, Safe to Love Again. And if you go to my website, GarySalyer.com, 
you know, you can contact me there. And there's also a really cool free gift of little short videos called Love Inspirations, where I go over some of these things. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, yeah. I want my listeners to know that I highly endorse Dr. Gary Salyer. So if you want to ask me any questions, please feel free to reach out to me as well. And I will direct you with Dr. Gary as well. Have a fantastic day. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. Thank you, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.